Welcome to the Open Forum in the Villages Florida podcast. In this show we are going to talk to leaders in the community, leaders of clubs and interesting folks who live here in the villages, to give perspectives of what is happening here in the villages. We hope to add a new episode most Fridays at 9 a.m. We have converted all of our shows to Buzzsprout. Of course, you can still listen to Apple Podcast, Amazon Music and about 20 other podcast platforms. Your favorite podcast player will still work. We are now a listener-supported podcast. You can become a supporter for only $3 or you can choose to pay more per month. Go to openforminthevillages.com and click on support in the black box. There will be a shout-out for supporters in episodes. This is a shout-out to supporters, Tweet Coleman, Dan Capellan, Ed Williams, Alvin Stenzel, and Major Supporter Doctor. Craig Curtis at K2 in the Villages. We will be hearing more from Dr. Curtis with short Alzheimer's tips each week. This is Mike Roth. Thanks for tuning in and listening to us today. Today we have a special show. We have a guest, Bob Baker. Bob, thanks for joining us. Mike, it's great to be here. Thanks for inviting me on your awesome show. Great. Bob, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about your background before you started coming to the villages? Yeah, so I'm uh, from St. Louis, Missouri, born and raised and visiting here for the second time in the villages and just love the area here. And so I, a lot of my life has been immersed in the arts. And I've, I've since a young age, I've been involved in both music and the written word. And those those two things came together for the first time for, for me. And back in the late 80s, I started publishing a newspaper or magazine that covered the local music scene in St. Louis. I was mm-hmm. an active musician in my hometown. And then I became a journalist of my own making and did that for 10 years. And then during that period, my first opportunity to have, for my first book was published in like 1993. Um, and over the, over the 25 years, since then, I've actually published 16 physical paperback books um, on a variety of topics from music marketing to helping to inspire creative people to pursue their passions and build careers in the arts. Um, and then uh, you'll be keep going to the present. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've done a lot of things. That, yeah, I've done a lot of done traditional theater. And as you know, I also do improv comedy, which has been a passion of mine for many years, which is how we met because I attended one of your... Uh, one of your classes here in the villages the other night, and that was fabulous. So yeah, I, I specialize in short form. It's called short form and musical improv. So that's basically what you see on whose lines it anyway. Mm-hmm. Show we all know, sure. know and love. And then a, a recent sort of unexpected twist and turn in my uh, my life and my career is about six years ago on my YouTube channel. I started posting like affirmations, guided meditations, but really specializing in, like like morning af- affirmations to sort of uplift people. Uh, and the channel has become extremely popular. I think I'm at 338,000 subscribers, more than a million views a month across the entire channel. So I've just lived a, a life, very blessed to live, live a life immersed in the arts and also kind of in the business of inspiring people to be their best selves. Right. right. That's uh, that's really good. Uh, when I was at Sandler, one of our workshops, it was called a belief building workshop. Yeah. And uh, I'll tell you, it was not the most popular of the workshops. <laughs> it was the people didn't believe in the belief. <laughs> a lot of them didn't. A lot of them didn't. But it was one of the few workshops that we actually incorporated music in, in, into oh. the training. Oh, nice! Yeah, yeah. Worked for some people. It worked very well. For other people, it was you know like 
two hours of wasted time. Yeah. <laughs> but that, that was okay. Before we get started, I always like to add a little joke for my grandson, Evan, into the show. So, Bob, what do you call a couple of chimpanzees sharing an Amazon account? A couple of chimpanzees sharing an Amazon. I give up, Mike. What's, what is that? They're called primates. <laughs> Prime apes. I love it. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> well, so Bob, let's start by talking a little bit about your your improv experience. How did you get started in improv? So yeah, I first did improv in actually nineteen eighty five. I was the tender age of about twenty five. Um, and there was a group of us, uh, so I had just started doing theater in, in community college. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, I'd actually taken five years off from high school before I even went to college and, 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 but got involved in taking acting classes and was involved in the theater department. And we did a show, I guess, that, in, that involved some amount of improv. We were also big fans of Saturday Night Live and we knew mm-hmm. that they had, had improv training through the, through the second city in Chicago and other things that had, it developed over the, the years and we one of the directors or the theater department decided to to cre- like basically created for us like an advanced cl- class on improv that we did one summer in the, in the summer of 1985 and through that we formed a, a performing troupe called the way off broadway players mm-hmm. it was inspired by the not ready for primetime players <laughs> Um, and so we performed for like a year and a half and just got a lot of, that's how I got my feet wet in mm-hmm. improv. But then I was in it. I was out of it for many years. I formed another troupe with some three theater friends, maybe in the later nineties. Then was out of it for a long time. And about 12 years ago, I started, I got the, I always wanted to teach short form in musical improv. And I started teaching in St. Louis, then really got immersed back into it. And, and, um, we can talk about maybe my, Relationship with Laura Hall from Who's Line too, and how that kind of came about. If you, sure. if, if you if you'd like, and we go talk about that now. Uh, so yeah, you know, you know, you, you say short form. A lot of folks don't realize that there are multiple forms of improv. Right. Okay. There's long form. There's a theatrical long form. Uh, here in the villages, one of the directors in, in drama named uh, Dean Corbett produced a long form murder mystery. Oh, wow. As an improv. There was no script, just characterizations. And each night of the performance, there was a different villain who performed the murder. Ooh. And the audience didn't know till the end who was going, who the detective was going to accuse and convict of being the murderer. Yeah. A lot of those those murder mystery dinner theater things, they, they the actors, they have a structure, they have characters that they play, but a lot of the uh, what happens is imp- is improvised. So yeah, maybe we should clarify for folks that are not that familiar with it. So if you've ever seen Whose Line Is It Anyway, whether it was the Drew Carey version or the newer version with uh, Aisha Tyler as the host, that's pretty much short form. They're short games. Right. Short games. Maybe. E- everything is three to four minutes. Yeah. Some of them are shorter than that. And so, and basically what I love about short form is that you're all is that the audience is engaged throughout an entire show. So, the, you know, whenever you do a new game, you're getting a new suggestion from the audience, and then you're working that into that whatever that particular game or, or scene is. Have you ever um, done a, a long form herald? I I've only dabbled in long form. So yes, yeah, so a long form for those who don't know is yeah, you get whether it's a, and a herald is like one of the early it was it was developed by a guy named Del Close mm-hmm. I think in the '60s along with Sharna Halpern, and uh, basically you get. As a group of, of performers, they get one word at the beginning, and then they go for like 20 minutes just doing a series of scenes that has a structure. And 
I've seen I've seen a lot of bad long long form. If it's not done well, it's like a long stretch of you know. It, I think it's terribly difficult, and yeah, we haven't attempted it in our group. It's very challenging, and when it doesn't go well, yeah. Uh, so, uh, but I've seen some good long form too. So it really depends on the players, and you know that particular the caliber of the players, the confidence they have in each other. Right. And the luck of the draw of what that first word is going to be from the audience. Yeah, and what they discover, how they use the word. Yeah. Right. But I like short form because you're always mixing it up. And if one game is not going well, you right. can bail on it. Or you end that. There's another game with a different structure, right? Well, we do a show uh, like the one that's coming up in November. We're going to have someplace between 17 and 22 scenes ready. Oh, wow. Okay. That's a lot. Yeah. Well, yeah. they're all planned for two or three minutes. You know, some places at least fifteen of them will get on stage. Mm-hmm. But I'm sitting there. I'm sitting there as the MC, and I've got a long list. And if a scene is going badly, that's supposed to last for four minutes. It's going badly at the end of one minute. They're going to get the bell, and we're going to go on to the next scene. <laughs> the next scene, yeah. Or sometimes we we get a a great suggestion from the audience. And a scene that's supposed to go two minutes is going to go four minutes. It's going well. Let it run, right? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. If, if it's if it's dragging down a lot of laughs. Yeah, and that is the challenge. But haven't you found that audiences are very sympathetic to knowing that the players are making this up on the spot? And sometimes even if there's a mistake or somebody you know stumbles over their their words, you can actually use that you know as fodder for humor mm-hmm. and audiences quite you know quite often the mistakes get bigger laughs than those, those clever things that you you know yeah yeah and you never know what's going to go well we uh, we did a scene uh called eulogy for a dead ant oh well, yeah and the we put an attorney in as the person who was crying and grieving for the dead ant and it turned out to be hysterically funny. Right. Okay. One of our players, Rick, was playing the dead ant. <laughs> well, laying on the lying chair. on the table. Yeah, okay. Okay. And he he didn't have any lines. He he was supposed to be just a prop. Right. But but, but he can't work like that. And he ended the scene, he got up as the dead ant and said something that was the blackout line. Oh my god. That that would be funny to save it for that last Piece. We we do something called superhero eulogy. I don't know if you've ever heard of that, but you get no. a uh, you get a, a, a very strange superpower and then a name for the superhero, and it could be weird, maybe Spitball Man or something, you right. know. And then uh, and then you have different people from that superhero's life come up and and tell their story as the childhood friend, the coworker, the lover, the arch enemy, and it's really funny how you you know how you can turn Spitball Man into all these you know. He was he was a great friend in the in the classroom where he would hit my enemies <laughs> with spitball or whatever <laughs> with spitballs. Yes, ex- exactly. So there's just so many games and there's so many iterations of them in different cities. That's and different right. Names, you know, the, the names change. Uh, yes, you know, we, we we have a game that we play uh, called uh, pickup lines, and that's where we take lines from the audience on three by five cards, fold them up and throw them on the floor in front of the players. Right, and they have to bend down and pick up a card. Of course, that limits which players can be in that yeah, scene. Ones that can bend over, right? Yeah. And then get back up yeah. again safely. Right. We, uh, we we call that blind line. Again, every city has, I think it was originally called sentences. Mm-hmm. But that game works so well 
in so many levels. And we, to avoid the bending over, we actually put them in a, like, like a bucket and put it on a stool. So we really <laughs> just reach into it. Okay. As, as players get older, you have to have some improvisational way to make it still work. Right. But that way, it, it's great because the players are in the middle of saying something and they, and they, and they, and, and as they're searching for their line, they reach in and, and read that random line. And it's almost like a no fail because no matter what you say, People are going to laugh at it. And everyone in the audience is like on the edge of their seat going, are they going to use my line? Right, you know? right, right. And so that's one of my one of my favorite, a crowd favorite too, one of my favorites to yeah, play. Yeah, when we play a game, we give the, the players an option to take the card out. And if they don't like it, rip the card up and throw it away. Oh. <laughs> and pick another. I just think, go ahead and use it. And then you have to justify why that makes sense in that moment, right? <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it does, sometimes yeah. it doesn't. Exactly. Great. Let's take a moment and hear from our major supporter, Dr. Craig Curtis, with an Alzheimer's tip. Dr. Curtis, how important is it for people to keep their brain sharp? It's extremely important. So we all lose a little bit of our cognitive abilities as we age. Mm -hmm. Everyone's brain starts shrinking in our 50s. However, we can still maintain good cognitive health into old age by making a few good daily choices, including keeping your brain active, crossword puzzles, Sudoku. Just getting out and socializing is good for the brain. Good. Thank you, Dr. Curtis. You're welcome. And I'm back here with Bob Baker. Bob, let's talk about your experience on the set of... Uh, Whose line is it anyway? Yeah, maybe I should just real quickly how that came about. And so I um uh been a big fan of Whose Lines. I already mentioned it several times here in our little chat. Um and in about 2014, Laura Hall, who was the piano player, the music director for the show for all the all the American run of the show, uh her and her husband Rick were coming to St. Louis to teach a musical improv workshop. I saw that, signed up immediately. It was like a total fanboy when I arrived. Like, mm -hmm. oh my God, it's Laura Hall. And uh, we did a class and then we actually did a show that night um, uh, with with the, like a student show, showcase. So that was a wonderful experience. Then I reached back out to her a few months later and I have a podcast. I've, I've had a number of podcasts over the years and I invited her to be a uh, guest on my podcast, which got that connected us a little bit more led to a conversation about why she didn't have a book out on musical improv. Mm -hmm. And she said, well, I want to independently publish one, and I don't know really how to go about doing that. People keep asking me. I said, well, I've done that a lot. <laughs> it's, and I know music. I know improv. Because uh, I'm I, what I didn't mention maybe is I'm like, yeah, I'm a guitar player, singer, songwriter, played in tons of bands over the years and continue to perform and write music with my wife, Pookie Lee. Um, but anyway, so, so Laura and I... Or, you're, you're what we call a wordsmith. A wordsmith, yes. yes. We, we, we tend to start most of our large shows with a parody song Okay. written by one of our two wordsmiths in the group. Awesome. And, you know, they, they'll pick a song like uh, Run Around Sue, mm -hmm. and we change, he changed that song to Roundabout Guy. Oh, Keep away from roundabout guy. Right. Hey, hey. I've written a few parodies of my on my own over the years. Yeah, that's it's it's like we a la Weird Al, right? Um, so, uh, but anyway, in 2015, Laura and I started um, writing this book together, and it came out in 2016, I believe. Um, but in but at the halfway point of writing the book together, they were doing a series of tapings for Who's Line. 
And I flew out to LA and she got me into two of them. And just as an FYI, they recently actually recorded their final episodes. Um, so this current, so they're finally, even though they're going to be broadcasting the episodes that they recorded recently over this past winter, uh, whose line is apparently coming to an end after a you know, 20, 20 year run or whatever. They're not producing any more new episodes. Correct. Yeah. But I uh, luckily went to, and what they when they do record them, what I discovered working with Laura and getting the inside scoop is that they'll do like they'll set up a, a rent a, a theater, set up the stage and the audience and and the and, and all that, the desk and the chairs and, and the carpet and all that, and they'll do like five nights of taping within a one or two week period. Mm-hmm. Each night of taping is like a five hours. It's a long night for the audience, mm-hmm. and so I went well, the first night. I sat in the audience because I wanted to get that experience. Then I went back and get sat in the VIP room, which mm-hmm. is where like friends and family, the casting cast members sit. So, uh, so both experiences were equally awesome. But what I so it was just great to be there. Like, like it was going to visiting the mothership, you know, mm-hmm. this thing that I admired from afar all these, all these years. What was interesting is that they, yeah, they just record just tons of games and out of a five hour taping in a single night, they might get four shows out of, out of, out of that. And I think I shared with you the other night when they, I know you like the, the game scenes from a hat, right? Love it. Love it. We always attempt to include that in the show. Where they pull out a scenario and then they go up. So I remember when they re- did the scenes from a hat segment at the taping, it lasted like 20 minutes. I mean, it was like a long, they just kept on going one after another. And they, and there were these long pauses where the, where the guys or the, or the, the, the actors were on the side and Aisha's going, you got anything else for this, this one? He goes, hang on, I got, I got one. And then they come out and, and so there's these long, like I say, you drive a truck through these pauses. But when they edit it all together. It seems instantaneous. Yeah, it's boom, 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 boom. And well, they, when we do it on stage live, we're doing it instantaneous. Right. And they did a lot of that. So don't, yeah, don't get me wrong. Like, I, I, they were just amazing what they could do in real time. But it was just, it was very eye opening for me how they put that show to, 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 together. And it also made me realize editing and doing an improv show for TV is different than from a live audience. So mm-hmm. yeah, obviously you wouldn't do that in a live, in a no. live show, but they have to keep it snappy and moving along and only have the highlights, you know, but even their low, but that's th- that's to, to take anything away from them. Cause they, they were still the stuff they came up with in the moment was just amazing. And even when they were doing like hoedown, like some of the musical yeah, stuff, the musical stuff. And there were times when Wayne Brady or somebody would walk forward and sing a line and botch it. And he would step back give it another shot but when he came up he was using a different different lyrics so they, like he didn't rely on something that he had already pre-planned mm-hmm. he, he was they really wanted to be in the, in the in the moment and they edit that together too so yeah that was just a great ex- experience seeing how that was all done and just actually being there to watch a taping you know? right right I, I hate to think about the effort to cut apart five hours yeah into four shows. Oh, I'm sure that's a lot. Yeah, I, I've been known to do video editing, and, and although I, in a way I like it, but I also in a way hate it. Right. You know, which I'm, I'm, I'm supposed to cut. We have the video of the February show that we did this year, and it's 137 minutes. I'm yeah. supposed to cut that down into a five minute preview reel. Wow. Yeah. It's tough. I, I'm sure, and I don't know a whole lot about like Hollywood and all that, but like I'm guessing compared to other dramas or pr- productions i'm sure the, the production be able to do that get four shows out of a one five-hour taping is probably a lower cost show than many others you know so it's probably why it ran for so many years you know hey it's a, 
It's, yeah. it's a great, great methodology when you have great performers, and they do have some great yeah. performers like Wayne Brady, and yeah. Colin. Yeah, I guess I meet Colin Mockery a couple, a couple, a couple of times. Brad Sherwood too. Yeah, Brad. I met him briefly, and then there's Ryan Styles, of course. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so just one, yeah, whose line just did a wonderful service that it it made it brought improv into the public consciousness. Which so usually and and now like a lot of people have taken improv classes they have in mm-hmm. high in high schools I'm really glad to see this becoming more common right because it's so many life I'm sure you found this too Mike there's so many life skills you could learn from learning improv right you know, right listening being in the moment not being attached to an outcome and and, and, and there's there's something to learn all the time we're I don't know if you're aware of the Sarasota Improv Festival no coming up uh, in, on July. 22nd. That was not aware. 21st and 2nd and 3rd down in uh, Sarasota. A number of us from the Improv. It, we now have the, a new name for the club. It's now the, the Villages Improv Club. We had to get special permission from the Villages to say Villages in, 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 the, in the title. Nice. So our, our legal name is still Improvisational Theater Club of the Villages, but we are well, advertised now as the Villages Improv Club. Officially sanctioned. Yeah. Well, officially <laughs> sanctioned to use the name. The, the name The Villages. Okay. And we had to sign a special release to, to do that. Wow. Well, I'm, I'm blessed. I'm glad that I found you, Mike, and, and you have a great a great group. I encourage anyone to, you know, if you're could use a few more folks to come and join in the fun to, to attend. It's a lot of fun. Those, yeah. on, a, on a Monday night, we, we meet the first four Mondays of the month at Rohan Recreation Center, and uh, you can come as a pure audience member and sit in the back of the room and laugh and carry on. That's just great for us. And we, we also are always looking for new players, people who have no experience, novices, people who have some experience, and advanced players. We're looking for everybody to build the, the club up. Awesome. I'm happy to be I'll I'll be back while we're here in the villages for the next couple of weeks. Right. And next Monday I've invited you back to the improv to talk about improvisational music. Yeah, I'll bring my guitar and I'll do as many lead as many games as you as you would like. So we'll make up some lyrics on the spot. Great. Great. That's uh, going to be the twenty second of May. So it's in this little air before then, I I assume. Maybe. If maybe it will. Maybe maybe if if not, you'll just you're finding out about what you're going to miss out on. <laughs> what you right. missed out on. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to to uh, do it to doing that. Great. So, Bob, thanks for being on this show. And in our next episode, we're going to be talking about your experience with Laura Hall and writing the book on improv music. Is sounds, that fair? Sounds great. Great. Thanks for being with us today, Bob. You bet. My pleasure. Remember, our next episode will be released next Friday at 9 a.m. The content of the show is copyrighted by Roth Voice 2023. All rights reserved.